Stunt Podcast. Hey everybody, it's Matthew. Welcome back to another Scent Spotlight, the podcast where we're highlighting the creators who are doing the most amazing things on and off of the Scent platform. My guest is Giant Swan, the virtual reality artist based out of Melbourne. Swan has an amazing history. Uh, he's been creating virtual art for a number of years. First off, uh, doing a lot of music-inspired work. And then recently, from December of last year, he's been creating a lot of rare digital art over on Super Rare and Known Origin. And his work is absolutely incredible. Giant Spawn and I, we speak about his creative journey from selling horse products in a corporate atmosphere to joining his favorite band touring around Australia creating virtual art to minting his first works over on Super Rare and Known Origin. Giant Spawn is is an amazing creator. Uh, I had a blast talking with him. He's a, an, an awesome storyteller and the way that he framed his work as uh, creating dreams for people to experience it's something that will stay with me heading forward. So, without further ado, I hope you enjoy my chat with the virtual reality artist, Giant Swan. Okay, and we're live. This is Matthew, and I'm back with another Scent Spotlight. This week, I'm super stoked to be speaking with the VR painter and sculptor, Giant Swan. Welcome to the Spotlight, Swan. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really exciting to be here. Cool. And I'll start off with the question that I ask everyone. Could you tell us who Giant Swan is? And then maybe tell us a little bit about your handle. Where does Giant Swan derive its its meaning from? Sure. So, uh, yeah, Giant Swan is, it's, it's me. It's, uh, it's a persona that I attach to, to inhabit the artist that I've always wanted to be. Um, and it's a name that I pulled from my more emo days of listening to angsty music as a teenager. Um, and there's this song, it's called Giant Swan, and it was terrible. I would beg all my friends to listen to it, and every time I tell them, guys, you got to listen to this song, it's amazing, uh, they'd come back and they'd tell me how crap it was every time. And that was kind of like at a pivotal point, uh, moment when, you, when you're growing up and stuff, I learned from this interaction with my friends that, you know what, I don't give a shit what you think about this song. This thing is a masterpiece, an absolutely trashy masterpiece. Do not look it up. But yeah, uh, and ever since then, I, I, I decided that's what my art was going to be. It was going to be me, and uh, and, I, and, I, and I wouldn't uh, betray that as much as possible. So uh, yeah, I'm a VR artist. Where, uh, but what does that mean? I use tech to create art just like everyone else. I'm using VR tools as a vessel to use my movement to create shapes. You put a headset on and you're in an empty room, right? Uh, you can see no floor, there's no sky, there isn't even a horizon. You just start with your hands floating in front of you. And from that point on, it is, it's just, yeah, it's your movement. So I create all those shapes moving around a space, usually my bedroom or at my studio, uh, looking quite silly. Music, music would be my main input very early on. Uh, and, it, and I use that to channel my movement and create a consistency uh, to create a space. VR art has this like amazing uh, potential where it's 
to prove itself as a medium, it's blended itself into other mediums workflows. So uh, a lot of my work that you guys get to see are stills, their videos, their, you know, their VR pieces. They all kind of exist together. They're the same, but they're all different in how that, in how we perceive them. Yeah, and I'm super excited to dive into your process and your work, which is, I mean, when I first came across it in December, I was just like, oh my God, what is it? I had not come across VR art prior to that. It was amazing. But before that, I kind of want to go back a little bit in time to your creative journey to becoming like this virtual reality artist. Like when did you realize you're a creator? And then there's a question uh, that Drago Nate asked on scent, but like when was that moment that you realized that VR is your, your canvas, your medium? Oh man, what a story. So I've always been creative. You know, I I grew up with parents that gave me a pen and pencil to keep me busy while they were doing whatever they were up to through high school. I was always that creative kid. Uh, When I got to university, I went to video games to, you know, Oh, this is what I do. This is what I'll be good at. And I, and I learned 3d tools there. And then I got out of university and I got a normal job. And for seven years, I maybe put that on the back burner. That creative journey didn't really progress because I had grown up and I was told, look, you're creative. You're going to be an artist. You're going to make this stuff. But I never really envisioned it for myself. That was people projecting onto me. So I I just did a normal job and I was really good at it. I was running logistics in a company that sells horse products. And, and man, I was, I was good at it. Like I was moving hundreds of thousands of dollars of stock around. It's pretty responsible. I had short hair and a suit. I was a big sellout. And one day my friends invite me to a birthday party. We've, he's rented out a VR arcade and we're going to play games. We're going to shoot each other in VR. And this is, late 2016 maybe early 2017 and i go to this party and we have a blast man but far out i don't know if you've ever seen early vr but early vr multiplayer was shit you were like floating triangles and you're like oh by the way this is your laser and you shoot the laser and like it might work we had a blast but you hit kind of free time in that space because the multiplayer experiences went they just went there yeah and at that point, I knew, oh, there's this thing called Tilt Brush. I want to try that. I've seen the YouTube videos. They, they did great with the mixed reality recording and, and bringing people into that. And I drew something. And it, it was really natural for me because I've always thought in a 3D sense, maybe I learned that at, at uni. Maybe I learned that when I was kind of dabbling in cosplay over that, uh, that for, for whatever reason, like years and years ago. But I made something and, and I showed my friends and I remember giving it to each one of them and then their, their mouths just dropped. And I'd never had that, never had that reaction from people like friends or family from my art before. And they were blown away. One of my friends sat in it for a few minutes and came out and was like, Whoa, I don't know what that is. And, uh, and to be honest, I barely remember what it was. It was something that was big and large and it kind of wrapped around you. And from that point on, I was like, all right, I need to get this. And I worked my ass off for the next year to get a PC and the VR headset and and all that. And then we fast forward about that year later and I finally got it. I'm making stuff. And 
I'm kind of exploring my process. I'm like, okay, I want to make these things. I want to make worlds. I want people to experience my art. But I didn't know what those were going to be. So I looked to music to uh, influence me or or really show where should I go because these empty rooms kind of fill up uh, and then you make stuff. They inspire you and, and, and change your mood and stuff. So I was making videos to music and posting it to Instagram after a few months, like my interest was in and out. Like I knew it was something, but I, I was a corporate sellout. You know, I, sp- I spoke about horse jackets for most of the day. Like I didn't know how to progress into a, a career of art. I just knew I, I wanted to make something and I found something that was, that was really true. And then with that process with music, that was really comforting for me. Cause I was like, cool. I've, I found where I put that energy now. Yeah. So a few months of that and, I'm at a gig, right? It's at the Corner Hotel in Melbourne. It's it's a famous pub for where all the all the bands come through at some point in their careers. And I see these guys called the Smith Street Band, and I and I love them, man. Me, me and the boys, they they sing these uh kind of anthemic songs. So it's a big sing along at their gigs. And we get drunk, we have a few beers. You spend the whole gig with your arm around someone you don't know, and you're belting out these songs. The gig's over. And we walk the street back to my house and I'm, and I'm pretty, I've got a good buzz and we're singing in the street. We're in a good mood and I get home eventually. And I'm like, I still got this. I still got this vibe. I'm going to jump in. And I drew some of their album art in VR, filmed it. And I put it on Instagram and I tagged them and stuff and, uh, and left it at that. My friends were like, Oh dude, the theme made this awesome. And yeah, a few of my friends in like, in other bands are, saying, oh, this would be a great way to make a video and whatever. A few months after that, I actually hear from that band, the one that we went and saw. They reach out and they're like, hey, man, we saw the video you made and we really like it. And we've got Falls Festival coming up. And that's a 50,000-person festival hosted in multiple cities in Australia over New Year's Eve. And then everything was a whirlwind after that, man. Two days later... I was at a park hanging out with my then favorite band, blowing my fucking mind. Just, hey, man, we want you to make this. We just want you to do what you do. They gave me full control. And before I knew I was in front of, you know, like I had 100 views on this video and then 50,000 people were watching my art with my favorite band playing. Oh, man, it was insane. And it opened every door for me. It was like everything tapping me on the shoulder and going, hey, man, you need to be doing this. People... Are connecting with it and they love it and, and and those guys have been really supportive ever since was that the moment that you started to to grow your hair out like literally yeah and, and figuratively <laughs> um well, yeah one thing about that corporate gig was i was always pretty vocal about that i'd cut my hair for it and man i let when i left that job i had so much support from my co-workers because they've been telling me for years that I needed to get out and do something with my art. But um, yeah, man, like taking those steps, uh, there was a lot of confusion around people. They were like, well, how are you going to do this? You know, it's, it's one gig. And, but I took a big risk and, uh, and I got lucky because it just kept paying off, you know, like uh, that band interacted with me and then that greater community kind of trusted me with more gigs and enough to incentivize me to keep going and the time demands were enough that it was either I did it or I didn't. Um, so yeah, leaving that job and 
and finding out, hey, this is my, this is where I'm going. This is my creative journey. Um, and that's where, that's how it all kind of kicked off. That's so cool. It, it almost seems like a, a, a Rolling Stones story, obviously, like, <laughs> like rock and roll, VRR, like just live in your dream. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And I know you're obviously still making VR, but now you're in the crypto art world. We were talking before the show started about that transition happening like quite quickly and extremely recently. I think it'd be interesting to kind of delve into that a little bit more. Like, how did you find out about crypto art? And then uh, like, what has your experience been like since you joined uh, just a couple months back? Sure. So about a year ago, I had received a residency. So I was looking for funding and, and places I could grow as an artist. And I, and I found a residency in the middle of the city at Chantilly Studios. They were kind enough to host me for three months where I would bring a project and work on it. They would pay for me to be there and, and all that. And in that kind of space for anyone that's ever, you know, you go into a new workplace or a new social space, uh, you grow from that. You grow from new networking and, and people that are, driven and and this little hub this this uh this garden of creative people in all sorts of industries uh, two of them are heavily involved in blockchain work they set up uh, a platform for companies to come in and, and, and involve the blockchain integrating into their systems so it didn't take long that we were having conversations about hey you should look at blockchaining your art and they were showing me CryptoKitties as an example because that's the easiest one to explain at the time. They were showing me how the contracts work and, and all that stuff. And we put a little work into it. I found known origin and super rare at the time. But not a lot of stuff was moving and it was really hard for me to justify chasing it because I was really hesitant about bringing my art to someone else's platform really passionate about controlling your platform, right? Like your art and your branding, uh, they need to live with you as much as possible uh, and not lean on other people's work. I guess I made a decision at that time where I was like, I don't think this is ready for me yet or I'm not ready for it. Uh, and I didn't think I could bring enough to that space. You know, like my art was is big and elaborate. It's heavy. It takes a lot to get it in a memory sense anywhere. Um, but yeah, over that year, uh, David from known origin was reaching out and uh, eventually I just took this step and I was like, all right, I'll give this a crack. Um, you know, an artist's journey and, and, and being successful and, and stuff, I, I believe is all about generating opportunities and taking opportunities when you can, at least smart ones. Um, and that's always worked for me when I trust my gut, do the, do the thing, do the next thing, open this door, what's in that room? You know, um, so I came into Known Origin, I think really late November, and I posted up a few stills. I'd worked out a way that I could bring my sculptures into, uh, to, to fit in onto their platform. It kind of forced me to look at my art and I'm like, okay, how can I interpret this as a still? And, and can I turn this into a, a process that's going to make me a strong, a bit, a bigger artist. So once I realized, Hey, it wasn't going to cost me anything really to participate. 
it really lined up with my progression as an artist. I started posting on there and yeah, then December happened. Yeah, I mean, like everyone in the crypto world, there's like, that's when the things went crazy, right? Like for me at the time, I had no idea. I was just like, whoa, Trevor, he sold this piece of art for a lot of money. I should definitely be in this space. And I had no idea what that meant. But uh, looking back on it now, after all this exposure and time and, and that, I, I realized, wow, I was in the thick of it. You know, like I, I walked into the room at the right time. and Yeah. Uh, and connected with a lot of good people. And that's where uh, the crypto experience has been so rich for me. Early on, sure, people nab your pieces quite cheap and you don't know what it's uh, what it's worth and you're just excited that people like your art. But man, like some of the messages I was getting were just, they really blew me away. People were not just spending a currency or, or money on me. They were spending emotional time to just like to justify that and and that was time that you, you don't get that sort of feedback in a instagram comment often you know in once a week or something or you know your friends and family you know, they'll always tell you these beautiful things but you'll never register them like you do a stranger and uh and yeah that's what hooked me into i was like wow this this is a real group of people and the collect like all the collectors that spoke to me were amazing yeah yeah the crypto art community, it's its such a rich community and like multiple senses of that expression. It's not just that folks are, are buying works for increasingly bigger sums, which is awesome. But like you mentioned, it, it's that full investment in the creator, sharing that feedback, like sharing the work all across these social media platforms, like being so proud to be connected, reaching out and like sort of like what we're even doing right now, having these chats with one another. It's its such an amazing space. It's, it's amazing. And you did arrive at that perfect time. I remember seeing your uh, Anomaly series over on Super Rare and it was just like, I mentioned before, it's like, whoa, <laughs> a mind-blowing kind of discovery. And it was amazing to see other people in real time discover it as well. And focusing more on your work and your process now, I mean, you had your Anomaly series over on Known Origin. You had your Time series. That's where I was first able to collect your work. I got 12.35 p.m. <laughs> which is, nice. I just like how you name your, your work like that in that particular yeah. series. And then you have other sort of still portraits of these like virtual statues or creatures, which is, they're cool. And then recently it seems like you've been working on, I kind of describe them as these rich poetic scenes. You have amazing descriptions of these just incredibly vivid and rich looking other worlds. I'm just curious, like, when you you mentioned that you put on the the headset, you have your your tilt brush, and you're in this empty space. How do you actually go about creating your work? Is it something that you have in your mind's eye that you're then recreating? Are you listening to whatever music or song you have on it and vibing with that? Are you trying to take a snapshot of something? I'm, I'm very curious to hear about this. Yes. Yeah, so I mean, there's heaps to uh, thank you for all these kind words, firstly. Um, but um, each series that you kind of mentioned there, they have a different story behind them. Uh, the Anomaly series are explorations of cool ideas 
and my journey to animate actually had a lot of that work ready to go. When, once I realized that the crypto stuff was worth going into, I had to look at that work and I was like, right, how can I get this to this crowd? Because people were giving me such great feedback and connecting emotionally. I brought that anomaly series into a GIF format, which forced me to manipulate what I'd made to, to fit it in. It really broke down my process for me in these grander spaces. And basically, I'll be thinking of a character or a feeling, you know, and I'll challenge myself to, look, I want to make someone who's feeling this way and build that being. And they won't have, they won't always have anything yet because they'll be their own scale until you add something next to it. Then scale is, is, is needed. So when they become a place, it's me moving around the space, moving myself around the space and placing things like establishing the ground sounds like a creative process, but it's a need as well. Right. You know, I have a person who's standing, what are they standing on? My whole process is asking myself questions and answering them visually. So some of those recent videos, what are, I've made this cool character. What are the, what are they doing? Why are they there? And I explore it that way as visually as I can. Once they're all sculpted and built, a lot of my camera work is very exploratory, right? Because I make these massive places. And for me in VR, and I'm sure at some point in the future, you're going to experience them, but they are at a one-to-one scale, right? So those people are people-sized. And I'm looking around it next to a tree. I'm looking up the tree. I'm looking sideways or down, whatever. And... I've created something from that perspective to be experienced from there. But once you have a camera, you can explore it more. So it's like holding a handy cam in the scene. And I basically glide my hand around and I'm doing it now on the microphone. <laughs> and, I'm like, and, I, and I'm like, it's like, uh, yeah, like how, how you hold a, a paper airplane, right? And how you imagine it flying through a space. That's how I explore it. And I use that window to look and I'm like, okay, this is, this is working. This is uh, this is this matches the feeling here. This is a reveal, you know, um, and an exercise maybe uh, influenced from popular culture and video games and stuff. Of like, I don't have any training in video creating. I just absorb and release. So like, that's where that comes from. The writing stuff. I'm not a writer. The borderline dyslexic. I think everyone on my friends list ever has received some garbled up message from me. But there's a frustration well maybe it's not frustration maybe it's it it kind of ties back to my main goal as an artist right i want people to feel like i've shared a dream with them and i want to give people not a definitive piece of art or anything to to hey this is a cup this is the cup that holds water i don't want to tell people that i want people to look at something and have different components and go i think this is a cup with water I'd rather them have that experience. And I think that comes from working backwards in my creative journey of going, oh, you can experience my art. Wow. Um, and now I'm putting that into my videos and my stills and stuff. And that's where the writing comes from. It's just another piece of the puzzle where there's no correct answer for that puzzle. There's no actual complete state. It's just how do you fit them together and how does that make you feel? If you get that far, 
I'm pretty stoked. That's so fascinating. And well, you kind of touched on this and this is something that I've been curious about. Uh, another artist, spherical art was very curious about this point, but is it possible for fans or collectors to kind of go inside of your work? Um, this is kind of a separate question, but I think related. Uh, I don't, I don't know if you listened to my conversation with Matt Kane, but he's building out this whole separate site for collector experiences, um, for his collectors to experience the work that they're purchasing from him on a deeper, more richer level. And like looking at your work, it just feels like that is like the next kind of step for, for collectors to kind of go inside of these pieces. Because like you said, the, the figures that you're creating, they're a one-to-one -one match, like it, with real life individuals, which is crazy to think about. And it puts the viewer and this, it makes them go into this whole other perspective and mind space. But like, have you thought about building those experiences out for your collectors uh, to go inside? of your works with without a doubt that is uh the, that is the destination for my work um i am running parallel where i'm trying to grow in um in the real world i suppose uh showing and exhibitions and stuff and one thing that i am in desperate need of is completing exhibition builds of my work um and that's been a long-term goal uh, since, you know, like a year and a half ago. So um, with the revelation of connecting with collectors via the crypto arts, suddenly I'm preparing to create worlds that people can access with their tokens. But there's, there's all sorts of little things you need to think about. Yeah, like can I justify creating a whole world for someone that only one person can see? And can I grow from that as an artist? You know, like everyone can view an image or GIF. So I can't really handle, I can't really just hand the keys over to one scene that no one will ever see. So I'm looking at a way to deploy my art, but also fulfill the uh, experience of ownership. Um, yeah, there's uh, a few ideas floating around and it's, when it comes to coding, I mean, that's not my strength. So it's a bit slow. I get to do that in my R and D time when I'm, uh, when I can self fund, you know, like, uh, it's a pretty uh, artist living. Isn't, um, the most, uh, the, the easiest to find that time, but yeah, in between that's exactly where we're going and, and collaborating with the right people is, is probably how I'll get there. Um, I'm looking at a whole new website re revamp where, people can come in and experience those worlds vividly on their own in a little package. They can download it and, and check that out. I think in terms of ownership, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's a discussion that like I bring up with some of my collectors all the time. It's like, what would, would, would it be cool if there was like a guest book, you know, or, or when you enter this world, you know, may, maybe hand over that power to the, to the, um, to the collectors. I'm not, I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I couldn't think of anything more amazing for me as an artist to, to give someone a place, you know, like I said earlier, my goal is to give people art that feels like we've shared a dream and that 
is, and if you've ever experienced VR, it, it is a hundred percent the way to do it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, there's so many different places we could go. Um, <laughs> but kind of pulling back uh, to a more macro level of like the crypto art scene, uh, looking at the platforms themselves, we mentioned super rare and, and known origin as, as a creator who who's selling work on these platforms. The first part of the question is like, how do you, how do you see these different platforms in terms of the, the distinct benefits that they offer? And then related to that, I, I know earlier on you were, you were, uh, publishing editions of your work on, on known origin. It seems like now, regardless of where you're, you're publishing it, they're one of ones. They're the, the super rares. I'm just wondering what, how do you think about the d- distinction between like editions and one of ones, as well as how you think about the differences in, between the platforms themselves? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm on super rare and known origin at the moment. Um, with an async launch in the next few days, which is also exciting. Boom. That's uh, so cool. Yeah. So excited. Yeah. I love No Shot and Common and Breadbreaker. They're, they're awesome folks. Oh, man. Yeah. They've been really welcoming to the idea that Frenetic and I came to them with. So, yeah, I'm so excited to see that go out there. Um, but yeah, the, the platforms I'm on right now and any editioning and stuff. I guess as an artist who um, is growing in in this space, I guess your goal is to connect with as many creators as po- uh, collectors as possible um, and participate where you can. I think it's really great to have one or two of, you know, like the big whales or something to, to be following you is great, but, Ultimately, they're invested in your work. They'll never be more invested than they already are. They're, they're always going to appreciate it this much. And that's not uh, it's a, that's a wonderful thing to have and cherish. But the idea is to grow your audience at all times. And, and in this space, I think it's growing your, um, growing your collectors, uh, your, your pool of collectors. Um, I'm often at odds because Known Origin was amazing uh, they, they're always they, they always treat me so well man like they look after me uh coming into the space they've promoted me to no end and probably really elevated um my presence to to others and that's been fantastic um but i have to i have to look at you know like my current situation and and things like that and uh it's it's often a chasing of of all right, where are the collectors this week? Where's uh, where can I fill a gap in where there isn't any noise, and where can I cut through and, and show? Hey, I'm still here. I can do this. Hey, um, and kind of just rock around. So sometimes I'll commit to doing like a, a series on each platform. It feels like ages since I've been on Ko, and that's probably uh, you know like sometimes you mint something and it just doesn't go anywhere, right? So. Like I got to do that first video that the gym bought for 10F. I'm so glad I was asleep for that. Like <laughs> I would have had a heart attack if that email came through and I was out and about. And and it was awesome, you know, like video is great to, to meet with this richer experience. There's more colors. You can make it a high res. It's pretty cool. But um, 
you know, and then like I do another one and, and then it just doesn't kind of go anywhere and you need to be kind of tactile. Yeah. You can't commit to uh, one space just cause you love it. Um, so yeah, I flew, I flew between the two um, making ones, I guess uh, compared to additions. Um, I, it comes down to that, like getting more, collectors so what what's getting me on the radar of other collectors is a question i'll ask um if i make five of this can i move five of that i'm not sure because you put off the guys that only want ones they they might not touch it and then if you've only been selling to those guys maybe the people that are okay with additions aren't going to see your work because you're just not on their radar anymore um there's a few things to, to consider and, um, I, and you know, the way I kind of get to that, I just talk to people. I, I, I go straight to my collectors. And I go, Hey guys, what do you think of this? Cause they have a great vision on that sort of stuff. You know, and I don't follow social media probably as much as I should. It's, it's not good for me. I'm fiercely competitive um, sometimes. So I've got to be really careful with uh, where I go. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think, um, I, yeah, I just try to give a rich experience. Yeah. And if it's a one, um, that's usually led to the richest, um, uh, interactions with, with collectors afterwards too. Mm-hmm. That, that totally makes sense. And then well, looking at the, the world of VR, uh, now that everyone is like self-isolating and quarantine is like spreading all around the world. Uh, where do you see like virtual reality worlds going it's in crypto voxels or Decentraland, Somnium space. And then the other part of the question is like, where do you see your creative journey unfolding uh, in this future? That seems to be really aligning the world to head into these virtual reality worlds. Yeah. So we, yeah, like we kind of touched on this earlier, my art, you could argue it belongs in VR. I'm not sure. I, I think it does. I think there is a richer experience that I'm not able to give you right now without me being there with my headset. And I want to bridge that gap. That's where I envision my art going. I envision not being the barrier to accessing my art. Even in uh, when I have to represent myself and, and go to an exhibition, I'm still in, I'm still the barrier to that experience. You know, I'm putting the headset on people cause it's, it's my kid on the line and, and all that. That's my ultimate goal for this year. But does that change what my presence is in here? I, I don't think it does because making video and, and stills is like, it's not a cop out or a lesser version of what I create. It's a version that you can, understand in a different way and it gives you an opportunity to experience you know from an image i pick a perspective and i give you you know just like everyone else the tools to experience an image and a story or or whatever in a video i get to show you that in an order and in vr you get to decide where you're going to look you have suddenly the audience has this uh they create an experience, you know, they say, Oh, I went there. You don't, you don't really say, Oh, I saw this picture. That's, that's what your experience is, right? In VR, you're like, I went to this place and I, I want people to have that. So is that in, in crypto voxels and stuff like that? I don't think so. 
not for me anyway. And, and maybe that's me being stuffy. Uh, maybe that's a, something I need to explore and then go solo because people deserve like, like, like the, the, the time that people give my art, they deserve to go into it. I recently showed uh, in, in my city for the first time before all the events shut down, lucky me. And I was at this, uh, this big event and one of the coolest things that happened there, uh, I, I was walking to the bar and I, and I spoke to someone. I'm like, hey, how are you going? Because the whole event was like to speak to artists and, and stuff. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Oh, yeah, I'm just having lunch. And I just, uh, I just bought this print. She, she held up one of my anomaly pieces, the one in the yelly. And I looked at it because we had like a print store separate from where the art or where my art was. Um, so she'd already seen this piece and, and connected with it uh, without me. And I just like, I, I must've gone white because I was like, you need to visit where I am. You don't understand what you've just bought. Uh, <laughs> and I, she came back past like two, two hours later and I had it set up and put her in the space. I gave her a seat and, and headphones so she could block out all the, the noise. And she came out in tears, man. Like, um, wow. she'd already made this emotional journey without me because I didn't have to, Hey, this is, this is my work. It's in VR. I make it with my movement. <laughs> it's like, she didn't have any of that. She'd already absorbed the story and stuff on her own. And then she got to go there. Um, and that was enough that she came back two days later with her housemate. And she's like, you have to see the thing that I got. Um, and that just really reaffirms how, uh, how much it adds to be able to do that with art. Um, another thing that was really cool and it happened at the same event was, um, this disabled guy who had no movement. I, I don't, uh, I don't actually know what he was suffering from, but he was clear that he didn't have many motor functions at all. Um, and his carer came up to me and asked if he could put the headset on. Um, and I asked, I asked her, Hey, can she, can he put the headset on? I don't know. <laughs> um, but she said, yeah, yeah, he'll, be, he'll be fine. His eyes are fine. He can look around. So we cleared the space and I, I quickly got a scene up and uh, we put him in um, and I was holding up his headset cause it's pretty heavy with all my uh, custom stuff on it. And uh, we wheeled him through and his hand, his right hand's flicking around and his carer looks at him, his hand and, she starts spelling out what he's doing because uh, he, he's signing to her. That's how, they, that's how he communicates with her. And he's gone W-O-W-B-L-U-E and P-I-N-K. And he was describing what he could see. And I realized then um, after speaking to thousands of people, like I'm communicating with people in this way, in, in ways that uh, I didn't even think you could like, there's no way I could have communicated with that guy any other way. I could have spoken to him and he'd understand me. He wasn't deaf, but like I would have never have been able to communicate uh, or, or receive any sort of feedback from him. Like it was, uh, it was really emotional, really special. Someone took a photo of us. I'm still hunting that photo down. Um, but man, just like uh, that opportunity though for people to travel and visit 
experience, you know, that's, um, it's really powerful stuff. It's more powerful than anything I could, than anything I can make. Um, but damn it, I'm going to try. Oh my God, dude, I'm so excited for like these deepening experiences that you're going to help build out. And just like the, the connections that your, your, your work and like all of this is creating with your collectors and people that are stumbling upon it that, that otherwise wouldn't have existed. It's a sign, I think, of, of what's happening in the broader space, which is, it's amazing, right? You're having all these connections that are, are forming and, and coming together and, and the collaborations that I think will, will spill out from that are, are super, super exciting. Like the last question I always ask, one of the special features I think of this space is the fact that a lot of creators are also collectors and collectors are also creators and kind of there's this awesome intermingling amongst everyone scooping everyone else's work so i'm curious though like who are you collecting if we opened up your your crypto wallet like which works of of rare digital art are we going to find and which ones do you prize the most oh my goodness that's (laughs) that's a terrible question (laughs) i i uh well just i'll just say it i don't have anybody's art That's, that's that's interesting why well, I love everyone's work and my taste is way too expensive. Uh, <laughs> I hear um, that. I hear that. It's, it's a weird experience for me. I don't know. Uh, I've, I've connected with a lot of artists. Like I mentioned earlier, connecting with frenetic and um, people like X copy and, ha- and Hakateo. They're, they're amazing. They're, 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 those guys have been so supportive of everything that I do. Like, even uh, when I was a weekend before I even sold anything, you know, X copy had my back, dude. It was really helpful. You know, uh, Coldy was amazing early on. Um, a bunch of a bunch of people gave me so much time, and I think I I really put a lot of so much of my art in woods that I hadn't gone out of my way to collect other people's art. It's it's weird. I don't think it's a negative uh, decision that I make. I think it's just um, kind of wary and and not always sure where to uh, where to collect. I don't want to make a statement with my first one now. Like, keep an eye out. Yeah, I mean, you'll know. You'll know if it's a oh shit. You know, like it's going to be special. But now it's like I've dug a hole. <laughs> I should have got on board a lot earlier. Um, so actually, I mean, it's it's not negative at all. And a couple months back, I was speaking with uh, Urban, uh, the lens-based artist who had just popped on the scene with his crazy, mind-blowing physical work where he's dropping oils and water and filming that. And just, I don't know, I, I kind of dig that. But he had not started collecting at that time either. And I kind of put out a warning to him. I was like, if you do start, be careful. It is addicting as, as fuck. It's, it's crazy. And especially <laughs> since you mentioned earlier how competitive you can get, like the bidding wars are no joke. Like once you get locked in there, it's <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> so, I mean, it's awesome. It's, it's an amazing thing, but like you, yeah, it definitely, it's really interesting how addictive it can be and, and competitive. And I feel like a lot of folks before they jump in there, they don't necessarily realize that. But when when you are in there, you're like, oh, okay, I get why 
the the art world and like these bidding wars and why these auction houses have been like so successful throughout history, like over the past several hundred years because of that, that competitive and addictive aspect. So it's not an issue, but just be careful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's definitely uh, something I reckon I would be quite susceptible to. I do try my best to keep an eye on new artists and stuff coming through and try to go out of my way to connect with them and put back into the community that way when, where I can. Um, but yeah, oh man, <laughs> I'm going to be thinking about that for the rest of the day now, I think. Um, I'm going to go buy someone's art. And well, heading to the end of this, uh, before we go, I just want to make sure that we, we shout out all your channels. I know obviously you're on super rare, you're on known origin. You're also on scent. Um, but, let the folks know where else they, they should check you out, like your website or anything like that. So we can plug everything that needs to be plugged. I guess, I guess for the crypto world, man, if you haven't seen my Instagram, you probably haven't seen half my art. Um, that's where I got my big start from. Um, you can catch me there on at giant swan. And a lot of my, it's a space where I learned how to communicate with people online through my art the best way. And it's, uh, I mean, it's just another social platform, but it's also where I put a lot of me and a lot of personal, um, like you can scroll through that and see that journey of me opening up from drawing robots every day to to really getting into, uh, you know, however I'm feeling or something. That's awesome. And well, Swan, it was a pleasure to be able to finally hop on the phone with you and dig into everything that you're creating and, and the dream spaces that you're creating for people to enter and dream their own thoughts about your work. It's, it's awesome. And I'm sure this is just the first conversation of many, I hope uh, that we'll be able to have uh, as you head forward on your creative journey. Well, thank you once again for your time. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hey everybody. It's Matthew again. And I hope you enjoyed my conversation with giant spawn as much as I did recording it. If you haven't already, make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts at. And if you have some friends whom you think will enjoy conversations like this, make sure you recommend this episode to them as well. My next couple of spotlights will be on some awesome creators, as always. Hakatao and Art by Mutri are two that are in the queue. With Hakatao, it'll be an interesting arrangement. I'll be speaking with their personal curator, Eleonora, who... I'll be asking questions that I've already shared with Hakatao, who has in turn shared their responses with Eleonora, because their time is so dear and, and because of potential language constraints. So I hope everyone is still staying safe. I know it can be quite boring remaining at home, uh, maintaining social distances from your, your friends and loved ones. Uh, so keep hanging in there. And until next week, sent on.